Hey, welcome to the Five Lives Podcast. And now, Anna's story. So it's wonderful to see everybody tonight. Uh, what do you think of Ellie Rebenek? Yeah. My goodness. And this Five Lives meeting. So folks, in keeping with uh, Ellie's vision, which I really want to do, and you know, I love to teach, I'm a Bible teacher, I love to teach. And uh, Ellie and I were laughing because she says, Anna, now, you know, we need your story. And I said, okay, I gotta stick to my story. So I said, Ellie, can I have like the last three minutes? <laughs> Just to get, you know, it's like it rises up. And she says, of course you can. So uh, I do want to go through my story a little bit, and then I do want to do a little mini teaching, and I'll tell you why else, because I want you to go home. Everyone's story's critical. Your story's critical. Paul, if you read the Bible, everywhere he went, he, King Agrippa, I was, I was minding my own business, and a light came from heaven, and I was knocked off my horse. He told his story. Your story is really what you've got. So I love that she has five lives saying, we want your story. Your story will speak life to someone. You may not have had the the rape or the abuse background, but you might have a background similar to what I'm about to share and be able to relate to it. Your story is critical. And another thing I love what Ellie did, and I I took some of my own notes, when she was at our conference in in, uh, January at the Sheridan, she said there's a, a, a common thread running through every story. And it's that the grace of God runs through all of our lives. I love that. Like that's, that'll, that's as we said, that'll preach. It's God's grace in every one of our lives. So I wanted to get that out, that, that your story's important. I talked about Paul. Just like Paul has a story, God says to Paul, Paul, I have a plan for you. And as you're going to hear in my story and toward the end, same thing with us. God will knock you off your horse, girls. Because he loves you, but he'll knock you off your horse to get your attention and to wake you up to the truth that he's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan for your life. Amen. This is a scripture I love. It's not in any notes or anything. um, But I just want you to hear this for a minute. In the Amplified, Ephesians 1.4, just as in his love... He chose us in Christ, parentheses, actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundation of the world. Now, let me take that into the message Bible, and then it'll lead into my story. And you've got to remember, long before he laid down earth's foundations, long before this earth, he had us in mind. Now, that's powerful. You know, because we, we live in the earth, and we see buildings, we see mountains, we see majestic things. Before all that, Selena, he had you in his mind. Diane, he had you in his mind before everything you see. You gotta go there because when time gets rough, you gotta say, well, you saw me before any of this even existed. And it'll pump faith and, and hope right back into you. Powerful. He had us in mind. Put your hand on your heart and say, God, God you, had me you had me in mind, in mind before, the foundations of the earth. before the foundations of the earth. It continues and it says, he had settled on us as the focus of his love. 
Isn't that powerful? I know. That's the message. So he had the foundations of the earth in Genesis, but even before it all, he said, you know what? He says, Tina, I got you on my mind. And you know why, Tina? Because I love you. You didn't even exist yet. Wow. This is powerful. This is a supernatural, powerful God. How does that go into my story? All right. (laughs) Originally from Ohio. And, um, you know, grew up in a very small hometown. And uh, just uh, what I I guess would be a normal upbringing from a dysfunctional family. How's that? I mean, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know what family isn't dysfunctional because of the fall, to be quite honest. I mean, Hannah and I were laughing. We were talking about uh, some drug addiction in our family. And she says, Ma, seems like addiction's kind of strong in our family. And she says, do other families, you know, like, do, do they struggle? I said, honey, every family's going through something because of the fall, you know. And I said, it takes, though, a born-again believer to stop that and to stop the cycle is really the truth of it all. So uh, growing up, you know, great, you know, did did some of the normal insecurity things. Uh, I won't even take time to get into all that because just some self-image areas. But over and above, you know, went through high school. Loved, I loved to study, believe it or not. I was, I was like this hippie cheerleader. Love the hippies, love the cheerleader, and I was a journalist, so no one knew where to put me. <laughs> no one knew what box I fit in, and so that was great with me. Sometimes I would just go off by myself and write and just, just dreaming. You know, one saved. Didn't know Jesus Christ yet. Well, I have a brother who's in heaven, and uh, we started noticing that he would come home with his girlfriend, and uh, back in the day, they, there was a term called Jesus Freaks. And uh, I was very close to this brother. And I would watch him. And I was, I was really drawn to him. I, and as a little girl being his little sister, I don't know if it's because, like, he was just so cool in our family. Like, he was just cool. And I remember thinking, man, he's so cool and all that kind of stuff. And he never really gave me his story yet about Jesus. And so I go off to college. So I'm in this, uh, we, we had sororities at Ohio, I went to Ohio State University. And we had sororities because the, the campus was massive, 50,000 students. It's pretty big. And uh, so I thought, man, my mom would say, Anna, you got to join a sorority. you got to have some community is a popular word today. you got to be around some people. Did that. Let me, let me get to uh, one night sitting on a, literally a, a couch like this. Anyone remember that popular show, Dallas? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there we were, watching that. And uh, I remember there were about 10 or 12 of us on the couch. <laughs> And again, not knowing anything about anybody yet, I remember hearing through the house these tales about this girl named Gail Walls, who when I was 40, Paula and the girls surprised me for my birthday and and, uh, got Gail Walls on the phone. And uh, Gail had been in an organization called YWAM, never heard of it, didn't know clue. See, I mean, where we were from, we, I was brought up in a certain denomination, we went on Sunday, thank you very much, we, we thought about what we were gonna eat, you know. We just had, we just were not, you know. So, um, Gail uh, is in the house, she, uh, come to find out she was a grad student, and people were really like, really just giving this girl a hard time, Jesus freak. Jesus lover, hippie with the, everything was about Jesus. And I remember, I remember girls, even back in the day, I kind of loved the, um, not the down and outer, but 
you know, how's this? I knew I could hang with a certain circle, but there were times that, and I think that was a God thing even working back then. I was like, I don't need to hang with you guys. I'll go, I'm a good lab girl if everyone's talking about it. Let me, I'll, I'll, I'll be your friend. Like, I just kind of like that kind of stuff. So she comes in the door, and she sits in a, in a thing, and you watch how God, you watch how God from the foundations of the world had my number. And uh, we're sitting there, and everyone's watching this soap opera, and no one, to my knowledge, says hello to her. She comes in the door. She sits down. She's eating a snack, and I turn around. Hey, Gail. I turn back around. She goes, hey, Anna. And as people are watching that soap opera, I start, she starts asking me about Mike, who's now my husband of 36 years, but we had just started to date. And she started asking me questions, and then I said something to her back, and uh, I said, Gail, I said, you know, I know you're kind of involved in some stuff, but well, it's okay that I'm with Mike, huh? And she said this, now watch. She said, Anna, all that's great. The bottom line for life will be your relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm thinking, as all the girls had told me, that's Gail. Girls, I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it after a week. I couldn't shake it after a month. I couldn't shake it after a year. I started to get a little tormented because I thought, what does she mean? What? What? And I started researching and investigating. And after a year and a half, I had, I would go up to people. And they acted like I had three heads. <laughs> you know, this is 1980. And I remember thinking, someone, someone help me. My mom was all nervous, like, well, what is that? What are you getting in a call? I mean, we, we went through it all. We went through it all. And I remember, if you've ever been I'm using the word tormented. I hope you're okay with that. I, it sounds very dramatic, but I was really, really getting scared. Like, what if that girl's right? What if I don't know anything? And, and then I kept saying this. What if God wants me to go to Africa and give up Mike? I remember, I remember that thought. I do. And so I remember I got into my car. I had a little brown Dodge Dart car. And I remember bawling so hard and so embarrassed because no one in the house was helping me. So that I certainly can't cry in front of anyone in here. And I got in that car and my journalism campus, which is where I found great sauce, was about 30 minute drive. Because remember, that campus, 50,000 people, it was huge. I'm driving in my car and I'm just bawling. Like, you ever do this with something that was a very strong memory? I can take myself back there like right now, but I'm gonna pace myself. So I'm driving and I'm I'm now screaming, holding the steering wheel, and I'm saying, God, God, like, I, who are you? Like, I'm, I'm really, for real, where are you and what's happening to my life? And I remember I got out of the car, and, of course, I have always been a little on the dramatic side, <laughs> but I really did. I got out, and I got on my knees, and I literally fell to the ground, and I said, God, I am desperate. Will you help me? I am scared. And I couldn't tell my mom because she was already all nervous. And, and I'd like to have you know that I got up and just like Paul, everything was great. And, uh, but I will tell you, 
over a process of days that led into weeks, that led into months, things were changing around me. I didn't realize how my eyes were getting opened. And I can remember on a campus being in that same setting, that same house with the same conversations, and all of a sudden looking at these same people thinking, wait, I, I, I'm, I'm seeing a whole different world than what we're talking about right here about the, the soap opera called Dallas. Like my, I, my eyes were opened to, to God and to his world. And time goes on, my brother um, had been a fan of the, what's called the 700 Club with Pat Robertson. That's all I knew. So I turn his channel on one night, and uh, I pray what's called a sinner's prayer. I said, Jesus, come into my heart. I'm desperate. Really, it sealed what I frantically cried out that day on that college campus. So that was very important for me. Now, that was a defining moment. Girls, there will be in life, at least what I have found, not 20 defining moments, but about two or three strong ones in your world that will start really marking where you're heading. That's what yes. I have found. Yes. And uh, that was definitely one of them because that changed my etern eternal destiny, really. So then time goes on. Of course, now I want you to think of something because this will lead into the next defining moment. I was kind of like a real worker bee type in the world. I, I like work. I come from a family of hard workers, and so we got our value oftentimes. Lisa, I know you have shared the same kind of thing. We got our value and worth a little bit about how much we did, who did what, how much they made, what kind of degree they had, all that stuff. You say, well, is that wrong? School's fabulous. I got a college degree. My whole, my whole family has college. All that's great, but now watch what was happening. I didn't understand that God chose me from the foundations of the world just because he loved me. I started to assume that I had to take all this effort and works and now impress a God who loved me just because. And so I, would, I, would, I had no discipleship yet, no training. We weren't in any churches yet. I knew nothing except I was now on a mission for God. You know, and, and, and so much of that is even in me today, I couldn't stop talking about Jesus. My eyes were open. I said, oh my gosh, there's a real God and his name is Jesus and you got to know him 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 everywhere I went. To where at times, being a brand new Christian, people were like, I was their Gail. <laughs> is what I just now realized. And they're like, here she comes. I couldn't help. I was just like, oh my gosh, what is Okay. We, um, tra we transfer to New Orleans, Louisiana. Looked for a church. We found Victory Fellowship Church, where we still are. But in the, um, I was even trying to remember the, the dates, must have been around 1988, 1990, our pastor's wife was preaching a message out of the book of Esther. And she said the line, you have a divine destiny. And that was the first time that I ever connected a dot of this thing that's burning in me, wanting to tell people about God. Uh, my background's in broadcasting, so I'm still doing some television, still doing some broadcasting there. And I thought, oh, this is what I'm, see, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to talk about Jesus on TV to the world. Like I, I concluded everything in my own wisdom and in my own mind and in my own way of doing things to where I 
worked so hard on some things and uh, thought ministry meant doing a lot of hard work to impress this God. In, uh, in 1992, another defining moment. So remember I said you'd have, you'll probably have two to three strong ones. In 1992, as, as I was in ministry, I was working hard to have these big groups and what have you, and I'm just being transparent. You know, selfish ambition is in there, and I thought I'm, because in the world, I kind of knew how to get some things done, okay? And uh, my health started kicking. I mean, I'm like 30, whatever you are, you know, at that age, I'm thinking my back was giving, things started giving out, and I would just buck up and just, you know, I would handle it, and I was just going to plow on through. Till finally one day, uh, I was trying to go to a meeting, and I was on my back. I was I had been praying, and so I went to get up. I couldn't get up, and my back was just shot. And I remember lying there, and I remember I started like thinking, "Man, I'm really in pain." Making it sound like that went on for hours, and I remember thinking, "I'm late." I'm late. I gotta go. They're gonna, you know, I, I just gotta be over there. And I remember I said to God, God, I can't get up. I can't do anything. And this was a defining moment because I heard the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you say to me one word. And he said, finally. And I remember because we had been to doctors, I had got an angiogram in my 30s. I, Dr. Doug Morgan, who's in heaven now with Jesus, would look at me and say, you don't have a heart problem. He says, but to prove to you you don't have a heart problem, I'm going to give you this angiogram. He says, you better slow down and all that kind of stuff. Warnings were, warnings were everywhere. I ignored them all and um, crashed. I crashed. Stepped down out of ministry from 1992 to 95. Three years. Everyone say three years. Three years. Because I minister to a lot of people in ministry now and Man, they don't, want to, they don't want to hear all that. They don't want to hear, take time, get your foundation strong, get to know God first. They're like I was, the hamster on the wheel. And I, I see it. I see it all the time. And uh, those three years were defining moments for me, and I wrote down what, they, what happened to me during those. Number one, I found out, girls, and you've got to hear this because someday it'll help you. God loves me, period. Amen. I couldn't perform any more for him or I couldn't perform any less. Amen. He didn't care if I had done name it in the past or he didn't care if I was literally what. None of that matters to God. He wants you to know him. Yes. And I remember a friend gave me a book back then and it had a a petal on the front. It was called He Loves Me. And the whole premise was peel the petal. Remember we used to do this? He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. And if it would go on, he loves me not, I would fake it. and I'd pick back on there and say, he loves me. And God spoke to my heart through the book. He says, you treat me like that petal. He said, when you perform and have a great day and you're all about you and that it's been great, you think I love you. He says, but when you have a bummer day and you cuss up a storm and you're just mad at this and you're kicking that, and you, he says, you think I don't love you as much. See, that's 
that's conditional love, and we receive that in the world. That's how, he, that's how I'm so sorry to say, people treat each other quite often <laughs> until they know Jesus, and then they start recognizing, whoa, if it weren't for grace, I'd be doing all that, you know. Grace, grace, I love what Ellie said, grace, it's grace, you know. So number one, God loves you, period, period. And if no one's told you recently, I'm telling you, you got to know. And my prayer is that it leaves up here and comes to here. Because there'll be times, you ever feel feel beaten up? You know, and sometimes you just need someone to say, I love you no matter what. That was powerful to me in those three years. The second thing that was powerful to help change those defining moments is grace. I learned what the grace of God was. And I had to learn, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm here by his grace. I breathe by his grace. I'm able to see clearly by his grace. If I help a person, it's because of the grace of God on me. It's grace. It's not Anna. It's not works. It's not because I'm able to craft something so sharp. It's grace. And that's good news, because on a day when I didn't craft something so nice and I wasn't so pleasant, guess what's still operative? Grace. And, and guess what else? If I've blown it, instead of condemning myself and saying three this and four that and beating myself up until I feel better, I can go to a throne room of grace. grace. And I can say, God, I'm blown. I need help. And the Bible says You'll find the grace in your time of need. This is the way to live life. This is our God. Not rules and regulations and, well, you look good and you did good and, well, aren't you? Forget about it. You start from a place of God loves me. He called me, chose me from the foundations of the world because of grace. And the third thing I wrote down that I really learned from them I got my call. I don't talk about it often, but I got my call during that time. During one of the hardest times of my entire life where I was crumbling. I couldn't go to anybody but God, and that was by design. I got my call to preach the gospel. I didn't get that call. Well, he knew from the foundations of the world, but you see what I'm saying? He didn't tell me I was gonna do this at 20. Girls. I never heard what this is. I didn't grow up with this. I didn't know this. God has a plan. God said to me, you know all that journalism you love and all that writing you like to do and all that you you, you always like wanting to help those groups? Guess what, Anna? I'm about to amp that up and put me on that. Truly, truly. So I want to say to you tonight, And Ellie pretty much alluded to it. If you're going through hell, and it's it's an adverse time in your life, if you will give God a chance, I got my call through the darkest times when I couldn't even see before me. I'd say, God, I just I gotta get up the next day. This stuff's tough. You know, people were tough. Everything was happening. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm dying here, Lord. And He put that call in my life. That's the truth. Sometimes in your darkest hour, it's when you're going to find God. Because you yes. know why? You've got to go deep. Yes. 
you got to go deep. And sometimes adversity drives you to the depths in the best of ways. And no matter how dark it is, God's in the deep. I love that. Secrets are in the deep. Things are in the deep that won't survive on the surface. Surface, someone can come come up and do this. And blow your dream away. And blow your thoughts away. And kick you around. But baby, when they go deep. That's all she wrote. You'll start smiling at your adversaries. You'll start smiling at things because this has gone deep. Amen. All right. I want to do something as we start coming to a close. You have a piece of paper in front of you. And um, I felt the Lord had me write a few things uh, on this paper that I'd like you to go home with. It's very basic, very simple, but... Something that I'm real big on is that you do have a divine destiny, that there is a plan for your life. And here's something else I love. Girls, I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how many kids you have. I don't care if you don't have kids. I don't care. You see, follow what I'm saying? None of that matters. Because at the core, and I want to show you, we're going to kind of identify a little bit, that God has a plan. Mm-hmm. So let's start looking at this. I wanted you to know, number one, you have a beginning. You have an origin. There's a reason for your existence. The definition of origin is the point or place where something begins. We get the word origin out of the word original. You're an original. The definition of ri- original is not a, not a copy. Not a, you, no one's mimicking. You see the definition there of original. You, you, um, you're not a copy or an imitation. This is critical for you to know. That you can rise up and say, wait a minute. I have an origin. You'll see the scripture that I just gave you. Colossians 1.16b. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. Your origin begins in God. And just like I opened the whole teaching, from the foundations of the earth, God saw you and said, I got a beginning point for you. In 19, blah, 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 Paula Kent, you're going to be born, and I'm going to put my life into you. Then another defining moment happened when she got born again. You see? And she's not a copy or an imitation of Cindy. She's unique. She's her. She, we, we, we follow each other and we, we adapt to similar traits, but they are themselves. I am me. You are you. You're unique. You had a beginning. God, see, to me, that makes me want to shout. Amen. God who created this world pulled me <laughs> and said, hey, Anna, there's not going to be anyone like you. This also will help girls with comparing and envy and jealousy. And I want your gifts. I want your hair. I want your voice. Why don't you celebrate yours? It'll save you so much headache, I promise. You won't need to talk about people behind their back. Handle your own life.
You talk about God. You talk about life. You talk about kids. You talk about what's going on. You talk about callings. Yes. And the more you can identify that and say, doggone it, my origin. Look at it again, because I, I, I see some of your faces. You're like, wait, what's she saying? <laughs> I can tell. I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> Go to number one with me again. I'm watching my clock. Am I okay? <laughs> know that you have a beginning. You have an origin. There's a reason for your existence. The point or place where something begins, your origin begins with God. You begin with him. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. You can tell your kids that. This is a, this is a great child motivator. Baby, there's a reason God saw you. He pulled you out. You got started in him. Yeah, in mommy's tummy, but there it goes way before that. Great motivator. You've been brought here tonight. You think just to see me with my curly hair. There's a reason you were brought here tonight is to hear a message like this. I have to believe that or else I wouldn't have been scheduled to come. That's how much I believe my steps are ordered by God. You see? You have a beginning, an origin, a purpose for being. Max Lucado says this, God shaped you according to your purpose. How else can you explain yourself? That's a great question. He knows what your generation needs. I love that line. Yes. Next generation in here. He gave it. He designed you. Now watch this line. His design defines your destiny. Wow. That's why you got to be true to yourself. Be true to the way God made you. You say to God in the morning, tomorrow morning, God, okay, uh, everything I have started with you, so I know that I'm, I'm kind of like, this. let him work with you. Let him show you that that's why he wired you that way. Amen? Amen. Okay, five more minutes. Rick Warren, about 20 years ago, came out with this book, and I, I adopted a small, quick acronym from it. Because I probably on a weekly basis, I talk to people about finding their destiny, finding their purpose. In fact, uh, Kingdom Fest coming up in June, the whole title is Purpose for Living. People got to know there's a reason that they're on the earth. You got to know that you, you exist for a reason. You got to know. And it's going to go beyond raising your kids. And there's more. And kids are fabulous. Believe me, I got my mind right here. All right. So we're going to go with S-H-A-P. E, what is your shape? All right, and it might help you to identify some of your purpose. S means spiritual gifts. I won't take time to break that down. We're doing that at an upcoming retreat. But I want you to think about something. Talent is, Ellie's been given a talent to sing. That's a talent. When Christ came into her heart, she was then given a gift. A gift, spiritual gift. It's a gift that God gives to us when Christ comes in our hearts. It's such a blast to start discovering what your gift is. So in identifying your shape, S will be your spiritual gift. I named them there. We won't take time. You'll see them. Prophecy, some minister, some teach, some exhort, some give, some ruler. They're the administrator. And some are the feeler of the body of Christ. And what gets so fun because sometimes the feeler gets upset at the prophet because they're like, get a, get a grip, get a grip, you know, and the prophet's saying that the feeler, and the feeler's like, no, did you see what they're going through? It's really hysterical, but it, it is. It's the body of Christ being the body. It's the eyeball, you know, talking to the toe, and it really gets rich. You have one of these gifts if Christ lives in you. You need to ask him. You need to say, God, which one am I? It's a blast. Shape. S. For spiritual gifts, 
H, heart. The longings of your heart. They're not incidental. God uses your passions to turn your life. Powerful, powerful. I told the girls, the young girls recently, I said, pay attention to your tears. You pay attention. They're speaking. You well up with tears because something's moving. Chances are God's going to move on those tears for you to step out and do something with it. What you love is a clue to what you're called to do. What you hate is a clue to what you're called to correct. It's very powerful. Don't let those tears just go by. If you're hurt by something that's bringing you tears, maybe you're supposed to help correct that in your own life and maybe when you see it in someone else. See? H, heart. Max Lucado's quote. Heed the inner music. No one hears it the way you do. Note and record recurring themes. And this came alive to me probably now, again, two decades ago. I've got a library in my house, and the girls know. Three shelves without fail. We start putting up books of divine destiny, purpose, destiny. God's got a plan. And I started going, obviously, I'm being drawn to a certain section in my life. I could not, to this day, I don't get tired of the topic. Obviously, I preach it. I, I, I can hear every preacher preach about it. I seem to pick up more. I seem to get my faith builds again when I hear it. See? See? Heart, heart, heart. Our assignment is found at the intersection of God's plan and our pleasures. I agree with another uh, preacher who says this. I won't give you his name, but I'm, I'm kind of of his bent. You know, I, so let me, let me see if I can say it correctly. And you know, he says, I get upset when someone wants to act like it's wrong to have, the, to have great desires. Like, anyway, I know what he's saying. They have to go through cross, they have to go through the cross, they have to get sifted. I get it, I've done it all. The dream dies, then it gets resurrected. I'm just saying, if tonight your heart's stirring in a direction, don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Take it to God. Say, God, is that part of my shape? Is that why my heart beats that way? Just go to God with it. Amen. A, S-H-A-P-E, A, abilities. You have natural abilities in you. That's like with Ellie. Natural talents. Some people are athletic. Some people are able to communicate very well. Some people are good at math. Some people are good at science. Not me. (laughs) I'm really... Like I run from it. Chemistry, the whole scene, I would skip school. I, was, I would skip school. I would cheat. I'd fake all those elements, the charts. I was awful. Awful. I, I, and then you know what? To protect myself and act all cool, I was like, I don't care about that anyway. No, Anna, you didn't get it. You couldn't pass it. Which is not, not my thing. Science. Oh. Oh. I look at nurses and I marvel. <laughs> Kim's laughing. I think, how do you do that? Why, why do you do that? When, thank God we have nurses. Grace. Huh? Grace. Grace. Yes, yes. Are we doing more nurses in the house? You're a nurse? See? Thank God you love science. Oh, you could be a nurse. See? That's right. So your shape, S-H, are you relating a little bit? You start to see little heart longings? Yeah. P. Personality. Are you an extrovert? 
Are you an introvert? Are you very touchy-feely? Or does it get on your nerves when someone's hugging you all the time? <laughs> you know what I mean? People are different. I, I know someone... <laughs> I know one person who says when someone else is coming in, they go, there she comes, she's going to hug her, she's going to come hug her. And I said, man, let her hug. Man, just let her use her gift. That's her gift. She spread the love. You know? It's a true story. I go, oh, Lord, that's just her personality. And, you know, then they laugh. They go, well, we heard that yesterday. And then she's going to hug me and tell me the same thing. Let her. Let her just, just, just go with it. You know, she's using her gift. Part of her shape. I love when Rick Warren says this, it feels good to do what God made you to do. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Isn't it nice that you can feel good about something in your wiring, your personality, your shape, that when you're doing it, Cindy, I was thinking, I'm thinking of you right now, Cindy types and she uh, writes and she just got through real estate school and I can see a look on her face when we're in a meeting and she's doing a flyer or she's doing one of those threefold things and it comes out perfectly and I can see her kind of like, yeah, right? You know what I mean? In a good way. In a good way. Like, yeah. Yeah. It feels good to do what, you, what you've been gifted to do. It just feels good. Someone else try to tackle that. We're like, uh-uh. We, get, we love your gift. We love your gift. E. I'm coming to a close, I promise. S-H-A-P-E. You have some experiences in life. Life has given you some experience, girls. Young ones, older ones. Think about with me. You have family experiences. What is your family like? Let's just pause a minute as I come to a close. What's your family like? You have some experiences with that family. It's helped shape you to be the person you are. Yep. You are either loving that thought or you're thinking, oh my gosh, I want out of my family. <laughs> but the closer you draw to Christ and realize he has placed you, the more it won't matter. The more it won't matter. Because in Christ you're so brand new anyway. You'll be able to look at all those incidences in family and think, you know what? I'm new. I'm starting a whole new line with my family. That's right. Really? Experiences, life experiences, family experiences, education. What are your favorite subjects? I told you some of mine. What are your worst? Mine is science, right? Trying to show you that S-H-A-P-E-E, -E, experiences, they've helped shape you. What about spiritual experiences? Think about your favorite times with God. I told you I had two major defining, they define my life moments. 1980 on a college campus in 1992 when I broke badly and the Holy Spirit had to rebuild me. Defining who I am. Do I run from that? No, no, I'm embracing. I'm sharing from what was once one of the darkest times of my life. Couldn't talk to anybody about it but God. I needed answers desperately and he was there for me. Shape experiences, spiritual experiences, pain. What has spoken to you? What are you doing with the pain you've experienced? Talking about shape.
talking about God's plan, talking about from the foundations of the world that he sees every pain, puts every tear in the bottle. Message Bible says when you've been kicked in the gut, he helps you to catch your breath. What do you do with the pain when you experience it? Are you mad? Are you angry? Or are you finally coming to a place where you're saying, you know what? By God's grace, I'm turning this around. May I? By God's grace, I'm helping others. She had a boy die. What do you do with the pain? I would say, Joy, it's helping to shape who you are becoming. Would that be correct? God saw from the foundations of the earth. He said, hey, Joy, I love you. Remember, don't you ever forget. Number one, I love you. Number two, I got a plan. She may have gotten her call. I haven't talked to her. I haven't read it quite yet. But through the pain, I don't know. Experiences is E. Don't waste the pain. You use it. You make it work for you. There are so many other joys out there, so many other Annas, so many other dying. There's so many of us out there, and that's why I love when Ellie said we're sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. Don't waste it. So let's close our eyes. Let's think for a minute. All right. I have an origin. I have a beginning. Scripture says everything finds its purpose in God. It's purpose in God. All right, I get it. I get it. Defining moments. I get it. Okay. This shape thing. How am I doing with it? How am I doing with spiritual gifts? How am I doing with my heart? Right? How am I doing with the abilities God has given me? Have I buried them? Just because I'm tired or what's the use anyway? Is there an attitude adjustment maybe with your abilities? What about P? Is my personality glorifying God? Am I drawing people to the kingdom or do they see me and kind of want to turn away because out of my mouth is grumbling a lot and fault finding and I complain a lot and I, right? Personality. And E, experiences. What about your life's experiences? Do you find you're using them for God, for the good? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I, I believe it's a message you wanted me to deliver. Lord, like Ellie said, if just even one person kind of either gets reignited or starts to rethink their life, Lord, it would be a tremendous blessing. Father, I pray that everyone here knows Jesus. And Lord, because we're on a podcast, we're going to all pray together to know Christ in case someone listens and they want to know this Jesus. A girl said to me, Anna, the bottom line will be your relationship with Jesus Christ. That was my time. That was God from the foundations of the world saying, I got it marked out, Anna. It's going to be on Ohio State University's campus. Her name will be Gail Walls. I called her just for you, Anna. I've never been the same, never will be the same. The Bible says that is the way we know we're going to get to heaven through Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. 
So let's pray together, if you would. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you. You brought me here tonight. Thank you, Lord. You have a plan. You have a purpose. You shaped me the way you wanted me to be. Lord, I recognize that the Bible says you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. I need you to be in my life. Please come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I want to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, girls. Good job. Good job. Good job.